It's been said, uh, blessed are the short-winded, for they will be asked back again. So I have 10 minutes here to work with. I've never preached when somebody said, man, I wish you would have been longer. So this time we're, we're limited to 10 minutes. Um, anybody like a story? Like a story? Okay, well, I'm going to start off with a story, and then we're going to transition into the biblical true story, and then come back to that story. It starts off this way. And here I was, in my truck, in the midst of a stream, with my wife next to me, my four-year-old in the back, and the one-and-a-half-year-old in the back also, and my tires are spinning, stuck. The sun had already set, the rain was coming down, the stream was rising, and I'm afraid that if I don't do something quick, then our, our truck's going to be washed away and our lives are in danger, and I don't know what to do. And it flashed in my head, how did I get here? Well, what happened was four weeks before that, we were new missionaries in Ghana, West Africa, in the Upper East region, with the least reached people group called the Bolsa people. And in order to prepare a house for my wife and kids and myself to live in, I would drive this road every day, and when I got to the stream bed, I would simply go down the embankment, across the sand, and up the other end, and I would kind of notice in the corner of my eye this old bridge of concrete that had been washed away. Now, that should have been a clue that at times this river can be so powerful it can wash a concrete bridge away. But at the time, I was so consumed with living in a new culture, learning a language that wasn't written down at the time, learning how to live and, and eat, etc., in a different way, that I just didn't notice. I was really focused. So every day, four weeks, back and forth, back and forth, across this road, down the embankment, up the other side, and everything was fine. This night, it was a prayer meeting, and we decided to take the whole family, we're going to the prayer meeting, and the rain had come during the day, but it wasn't so bad that you don't mind getting a little bit wet. And as the headlights shine ahead, I see a little glimmer in the sand area, so there's some water there. So I told my wife, you know, it's a good thing we have four-wheel drive. Let me put it in four-wheel drive and do this. Now, ladies, when your husband says that, that's a good time to open the car door and start walking home, <laughs> or at least a serious discussion about, is there another way, you know? So we put it in four-wheel drive, we go down the embankment, like I had done many times, and I get into the stream, and as I'm in the middle, I hear the sound. The tires are stuck. I put it in reverse. The tires are stuck. And for 20 minutes, I'm trying to rock this thing back and forth, get it out. And really, all I was doing was wedging it deeper in like a hair in a biscuit, getting it tight in there and I didn't know what to do. So finally, I said the words that I feared the most. I don't know what to do, and I put my hands on the steering wheel. I didn't have a plan B. There were no cell phones to call a tow truck. Even if I could walk to the village, I couldn't talk to them. I didn't have the language yet. I didn't have a plan B, that was it. And I didn't know what to do. Which reminds me, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus was going to Jerusalem for the final week. This is the week that he had prepared for, literally, for eternity. The week of the death, resurrection, later ascension. Last stop is, Jerusalem, is Jericho. 
And as he's leaving Jericho, Jesus with a large crowd and his disciples, they're leaving the way, and there's this man, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar on the side of the road. Now, interestingly enough, his name means son of honor. But there doesn't seem to be much honor hanging around Bartimaeus at this point. A blind beggar standing by the side of the road. But he hears that Jesus is coming in town and actually is on his way out, and he better do something quick. So he yells out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, the disciples are a bit annoyed. You ever, you're out somewhere with your spouse or your homeboys or whatever, and they do something annoying, you just kind of ignore them and don't know what to do? That's kind of how the disciples, they wanted to shirk this off. But here's what they didn't realize. Bartimaeus was like a man stuck in a river with no plan B. He didn't have a cell phone he can call. He didn't have people he could help, that could help him in his predicament. But there was one person who could. So instead of being quiet like they had asked him to, he shouted even louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus hears him and stops. And says, call him to come. So a bit chagrined, the disciples go over, and they basically say, well, you know, this is your lucky day. I mean, he heard your voice, and he's calling you to come. So Bartimaeus throws his coat aside, springs to his feet like a young boy on Christmas Day, and runs over to Jesus. Jesus says to him, what would you like me to do for you? Bartimaeus replies, I'd like to see again. And Jesus responds with eyes of compassion and empathy, your faith has healed you. Hallelujah. Immediately, his eyesight was restored. And he follows Jesus the way to Jerusalem to see during that last week what everybody here in this room would love to see, the final week of Jesus' triumph. And the Son of Honor finally had the honor of seeing Jesus' final triumphant act. Hallelujah. Which brings me back to the stream. So my head's on the steering wheel. I said, I don't know what to do. And my son, who's four years old in the back, he says, Dad, I know what to do. Now, you know, if you have four-year-olds, they kind of like know everything. You know, somehow, until they get to be like in college, and then Dad knows something again. You know? um, but he said, I know what to do. It's like, what's that? I'm going to pray. That's a good idea. <laughs> so he prays very simply, Jesus, you know, we don't want to sleep here at this river, and please just take us home and take us back to our beds. In Jesus' name, amen. So I you know, grab the steering wheel and push the accelerator, just like I'd done for the last 20 minutes or so, and the car was sucked out of the riverbed like a hand had pushed it pulled it out and put it on dry ground. And I still can't explain it. But I'll tell you how I felt. I felt like a man who just had his eyes restored. I felt like a man who had no plan B and called out to Jesus. And Jesus had restored my life and given me honor back again. Man. 
So all the way home, we were flying high. And this story circulates in our family at different times. When my son's in college, the one that right, and it gets difficult in college. I remind him it was difficult in the stream, and you got through, right? And he did. When his uh, wife had a miscarriage, they're difficult times. But remember, God got you through before. Now, these stories are helpful. And it may be, people in the room here, you have different areas where you get stuck. All of us get stuck in different times, different places. Sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it's marriage. Sometimes it's studies. I had a student that uh, wrote to me just recently. And I'll share this, what he said. To be honest, I did not learn anything from this week's reading. <laughs> except, except the seminary is definitely not for me. Does that sound like a guy who's stuck in a river that needs to be reminded that Jesus is there to hear and to care and to respond? A senior missionary once said to me, if you're seeing blessing in ministry, that means that somebody else has gone before you and suffered. So if you're seeing blessing, that means that somebody suffered before him. So if we're suffering, hang in there. God will get you through the stream. And then these stories have a way of caring for us. So Boland says this, the stories people tell have a way of taking care of them. If stories come to you, care for them. And learn to give them away where they are needed. Sometimes a person needs a story more than food to stay alive. Now you may have a story in your life that God has given you. It may be a stream, it may be something else. And it may be the person next to you in class or next to you in the pew, or next to you in the dining hall, needs to hear that story today more than food, to remind them of God's presence, of God's graciousness, that God can do what nobody else can, and that Jesus waits for us to cry out. And it may take more than one cry, but in the end, God restores us. That's right. Lord God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to anoint us to see that you are providing for us in ways that we can't imagine. Even in our suffering, there's some blessing that comes ahead. We ask you, Lord Jesus, as we cry out, that you respond. And you give us the courage to take those cries to you directly, for your glory to be revealed in us, so that we can then share those stories with others that desperately need them, maybe today more than food. Give us the courage to share your stories in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name.